This is Andrea. Connie's here. And we've just been wondering about all things church or theology or discipleship or Jesus. In 20 minutes or less. This This is Just Wondering. Well, Connie, you're getting me excited. I don't know. Peter might have been my last pick. And I think discipleship goes deeper than that. That Jesus could sign. Really? Like, I just rose from the dead and like you're still on that. I thought we had moved past this by now. This week, we're talking about women in ministry, but it transitions into a conversation about greed and power. We hope you will come wonder with us. I loved our conversation about the woman at the well. It's one of uh, my favorite biblical stories. I think yours too, maybe. Uh-huh, it is. Uh, but I left that conversation, and as I've thought about it since then, there are some things I'd li- still like to talk with you about, about women, uh, and women and Jesus in particular. Yeah. But before we jump in there, uh, I've just been mindful of some news stories recently that have women at the core of the stories. For example, the recent ruling uh, in courts about D1 athletes and compensation. But in the telling of the story out of the courts, there was much differentiation made about men's athletics and women's athletics and how it will impact women's athletics they think, in a really positive way. Now, these are advocates for the the ruling. I I didn't play D1-level sports, but even at my college level and playing sports, there was great disparity. For example, when softball and baseball season came, and they started at about the same time, and the baseball diamond was next to the women's softball field. So softball team, we would take to the field with literally a can of shovels and rakes and tools that the maintenance department would have brought at the coach's request. Of course, she would have requested that they come too, but Uh they were unattached to these tools. And so in preparing the field, it, it fell on us. And I can remember the day I stood there raking around pitcher's mound and first base area, which was, you know, the area I was most concerned with. Those were two of my positions. Mm -hmm. And looking over to the baseball diamond, and the baseball players were all warming up, stretching, throwing, because the maintenance department was all over there grading their field with the machinery, the power machinery, the tractors and so on. And the other maintenance, part of the maintenance crew, the other men, were all raking the field and uh, laying them out for the fellows to go play on. So that's what I mean by disparity. You really see how even the the institution, your college institution, Mm -hmm. valued men and the men's sports above female sports. And given the records of the two teams, because the four years that I was in college, our softball team outplayed record-wise the baseball teams. Mm -hmm. And yet, no recognition, no acknowledgement. I mean, we were playing AAA traveling teams for D1 schools. Wow. Yeah. So for a little school, we had a great, had a great, a great softball team. Yeah. And it was clearly undervalued. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Connie, that makes me think of other things that I've been seeing in the news lately, specifically with regard to women in the church. Mm-hmm. Women in ministry have been making headlines a lot more lately. Mm-hmm. I think it all started when Saddleback Church out in California, which is a massive church, Rick Warren is the pastor, 
ordained three women. Yeah. These women had been working for the church, mm-hmm. doing this work for years and years and years. Yeah. The same work. The same work. <laughs> mm-hmm. But finally, the church said, we want to recognize this. We want to honor this. And they ordained three women. And especially uh, Saddleback is part of the Southern Baptist Convention, but I know mm-hmm. it wasn't, mm-hmm. this isn't limited to Southern Baptists. Right. But people started talking about how this is unbiblical and this shouldn't be happening and women are not supposed to be ordained. It made national news, not just for what Saddleback did, but the backlash that it got from so many mm-hmm. church leaders, mm-hmm. like pastors that regular people would be familiar with their names. Mm-hmm. And it just made me think, this is not how Jesus treated women. Mm-hmm. From a spiritual perspective, when we look at not just the Gospels and and how Jesus treated women, but even the whole arc of Scripture, what we see from the divine, from the Godhead, is that women are of equal value. And I feel like we have plenty of stories in the Bible where we see women being valued differently, but that's from a human perspective, from how God or Jesus or even what we see in Acts and later with the Holy Spirit, we don't have that same difference. And it just really... Mm -hmm kind of makes me sad with our churches and our institutions that we're still even talking about this. Yeah, I'm glad you get, you talked about Acts because there we see the, the founding of the church, right? Mm-hmm. And had the church from its very beginning maintained all those things that Jesus had been teaching and influencing, a careful read of the early church, we, we see more of the affirmation of of persons we see the role that women did play as church leaders i mean maybe the church leader for example but that has been lost in the dust through the centuries and so now the church at least in the united states has emerged in the last decades as a church that in many traditions uh, struggles with the role of women particularly in relation to men and i I do not believe that is what Jesus ever intended. I, I think it was just the opposite. So I, I find it concerning that the church, which should have been the leader in the role of women all along, has lagged in many traditions, lagged behind. The more that women have been accepted in positions of global world leadership, being CEOs, founders of companies, heads of benevolent organizations that have global impact, I mean, on and on and on. The more that happens in society, the more irrelevant it makes churches look in the eyes of many people who say, well, that church doesn't even recognize the, the gifts and the calling and the skills of women uh, as the world does. And so I'm not saying the church should do it because the world does it. Right. What I'm saying is the church should have done it to lead the way in the world for women to be respected and valued and uh, treated in equal regard. Absolutely, Connie. I, I think that you're making a really important distinction. That We know that the church isn't supposed to follow the culture. We know that... Right. Uh, we answer to a higher authority. It's not about b- profits or popularity mm-hmm. for us. It's about being true to who we feel like God has called us to be in this world. What I hear you saying, and I absolutely agree with, is we understand that God held women at equal value even when the world didn't. Mm-hmm. When Jesus was here, the things we see, the way we see Jesus treating women, that was revolutionary for the time. And had we continued this, the church would be the global leader and how women should be equally valued as men. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, 
the church went back to systems where women were undervalued, where men were held to higher esteem, and the world passed us. I think the reality is the church is losing some of its influence for a number of reasons. Mm -hmm. I think this is one of them. I truly believe that the inappropriate place of all kinds of persons in church life, not just women, has largely been controlled by the early shapers, humans who decided what the church was going to be. And I think in large measure, and this is going to sound so cynical, but in large measure, people were driven by, I think, two things, greed and power. Yes. And especially once we have power, and if we think that this next thing happening is going to cause us to lose any of that power, then we're not for it. Maybe on our best days, we're willing to share some power, but that's our best day. Because we tend to see the the garnering of power and the holding of power always in a win-lose situation. So if you look back at the early shape post-disciples, apostles day of church, then you see the church being shaped by men who had figured out ways to become quite wealthy and have a lot of power. And once that was secured, then it was very difficult to give that up. Now, it's looked different, this, this greed and power in, through the centuries. Yep. And so here we are in the United States of America, 2021. But at play are the concerns that people have that their livelihoods might be interrupted. That would be on the greed prong. Right. And, and on the other prong is, but if I even share this power that I have in this, these church positions that right now only I can have, mm, that's very threatening to me. Brene Brown talks a lot about an attitude of scarcity versus mm-hmm. an attitude mm-hmm. of abundance. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I see with regard to power, especially, is there's an attitude of scarcity. Mm-hmm. There's only so much power to go around. Mm-hmm. And if I get some, I want to keep it at all costs. Because if I give it away or if I share it, that means I'm, I'm lessening myself. There's only so much to have. But God's kingdom is one of abundance, not of scarcity. Whose kingdom are we building? Mm -hmm. It is God's kingdom, ever growing and ever shifting and changing. And there's always more. C.S. Lewis in his last (laughs) book in the Chronicles of Narnia says, further up and further in. There's always more, further up and further in. (laughs) And I think in our churches today in the United States, we do have this attitude of competing. Uh, The more members I get, the less members you have. Mm -hmm. The more members you have, the less there are for me, which plays into the power and the greed. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad that you mentioned that it's not just about women. There are all sorts of people Mm -hmm. who are underrepresented or undervalued or told that they have no place in this church leadership because of who they are or how they look or whatever it may be. But we have this, this idea that says those in power need to maintain it. And if we share it, what, what will happen? What will we lose? And what will we not be able to regain? I wish that we could see humanity with the eyes of Christ. I wish that we could see people the way God does and see all of their different skill sets and what they bring to this table, which by the way, God's table is big and wide and able to seat everyone. Expansive. Mm -hmm. What would our churches look like if we were more open, if we did recognize that the Spirit of God moves in 
all flesh, according to the book of Joel in the Old Testament <laughs> and the book of Acts in the New. So it stayed in both sections of our scripture that God's spirit in the end times is poured out on all people, people that don't look like me, people that don't think like me, people that aren't my same gender or of my same sexuality or of my same class economically or socially. And I do not see this represented in the church. And I think that's to our detriment. Friend and I rode the elevator up the church last Sunday, and uh, she said, I am so glad the church did this, meaning the elevator. And I said, me too. And immediately, my mind went back to a church leader who, due to a health condition, significant parts of both legs had to be removed to uh, preserve his life. He was then wheelchair bound, as we say, for the rest of his life. And my mind went immediately to him and how beloved he was and how if he had been alive and we didn't have an elevator, he could never have come back into the church that he loved and loved him without you know, being carried up some steps to get into that sanctuary. Right. So I was cynical a bit ago, and now to me it is ironic. This is not ours. This is God's church. Yeah. And what we do for it and what we do against it is on us because it is God's. You know, Connie, this whole conversation makes me think of a situation I had a few years ago where I was talking to a young guy. He was he was a few years younger than I was at the time. We were maybe mid-20s in the church, in a much more conservative church. Mm-hmm. We were actually talking about the Hunger Games, the <laughs> the series of books. That's a little like having been a woman in ministry. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit is. You are right. Can we dodge the arrows? Um, but I had asked him if he had ever read, I think I had quoted them or something and he didn't he, it was clear that he didn't recognize the quote. And I said, oh, have you never read The Hunger Games? He goes, no, the main character is a female and I'm not. So I just don't think I can relate to her. Mm. So I, I haven't read them. <laughs> and at the time, I think I was so stunned by that. I did not have a good response. But now I think, man, if I lived my life that way, I wouldn't read the almost the entire Bible. <laughs> How sad it is if we only participate in organizations or read things or watch things that we know at the outset that we can relate to. Mm -hmm. What a limited scope it gives us of our world, of God's creation. Mm -hmm. If I only ever hear the voices that I know I'm going to be okay with hearing. There are so many things that I would never have considered, including the need for elevators in church buildings, Mm -hmm. because I am an able-bodied human that I think would make our churches less accepting less like the kingdom of God. And so it makes me wonder, what are we missing even now, even these days? Where, what are we still missing when it comes to that regard? Not just with women in ministry, yeah, but with all sorts of other things yeah. because we're only able to see them through our own lens. Yes, and we continue to try to shape the church through our eyes. And it would be just as wrong for women to do that exclusively to the exclusion of men Mm -hmm. as it has been for men who have done it to the exclusion of women so it is uh, you use the word inclusive it is about inclusiveness not exclusiveness yes and and that is the pattern and model that we see in jesus and i and i think what you said about how this relates to all sorts of people when i walk to walmart across the street 
the clientele that I see at Walmart looks very different from the people I see here on a Sunday morning. So who in our community are we not reaching or is not represented? Most of us seem to be very able-bodied. Most of us seem to be of solid mental capacities. Mm -hmm. There are things that maybe we just tend towards because it is like us, because I feel comfortable here, I can relate here. And I'm not saying that's wrong. But when we start intentionally limiting the outside sources or the outside perspectives, when our goal is we need to keep this looking like it does now because this is what we like and this is comfortable to us, that's when I think we get into a little bit of trouble. And I'm going to add, Connie, when you say things like this is God's church, I struggle with that phrase because on the one hand, you're absolutely right and said in the right way, it reminds me. I am not building my own kingdom. Mm -hmm. We are here to build the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. However, I have seen that phrase used where humans have almost manipulated that phrase. So it's it can almost go both ways of I'm using God to justify my actions because this is God's church. So that's why you need to listen to me because I have God's authority mm -hmm. versus I am trying to understand God's kingdom and help the church that I am in or the church that I help lead fit into that expansive, wide feasting banquet table mm -hmm. that has ever more seats for ever more people. Mm -hmm. I think we have to be really careful about making sure we don't flip it and make it about our power using God's name. Right. We, we can't pretend to be the wizard behind the curtain. Exactly. <laughs> to be the preacher behind the curtain of God. Yes. Pretending we are the voice of Pretending God. Pretending this is God's, but really. Yeah. Uh, again, back to greed and power. I think that's that's what happens. Yeah. Uh, and I think about, <laughs> in my lifetime, how, how far I've seen us come in my tradition. And I also am so well aware when I look at the sons and daughters in the congregation, how far we need to go for them to experience the church more as I think Christ intended for it to be experienced. Uh, one of the things you say, I want to go back to this, the church should be reflective of its community. And there are many ways to have diversity. Uh, and I think one of the ways that our church here has had diversity has been with the inclusion of persons who were somewhat developmentally or emotionally disabled. And that has included in the past, uh, this person is no longer here, but someone who would periodically feel the need to shout out in the middle of a sermon mm -hmm. to take issue with whatever was being said. And that person was loved and given space to react in a way that was we would say socially inappropriate, but she was on a spectrum of social behavior that was different than most of the rest of us in the room. And so that's been a kind of diversity. I think that any one church will not reflect a diversity that is greater than the geographic area in which it sits. This congregation is always going to kind of look a certain way until everything around us changes. Right, and it has, okay. yeah, our community yeah. kind of looks right. a certain way. Right, mm -hmm. right. But I think here's how it plays into it. If we ever lose sight of the fact that we are not the church, but there is a global church out there that has all kinds of diversity. And if we ever fail to embrace those brothers and sisters in Christ 
as a part of the church that we all are a part of, then we have failed. Then we're short-sighted. And that's what we have to keep in mind, I think, too, when we talk about embracing the inclusive table of Christ. Yes, Connie, I think you're absolutely right. I read a book once called Church Unique, and the whole thesis of this book was we are not competing against each other as as individual churches, but in fact, we are all part of the global body of Christ, and we each have our unique purpose why God has put us where we are in this time and why we exist. And so maybe one thing that that church A over here does really, really well is not something that church B does well, mm-hmm. but church B does something different well. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. collectively, mm-hmm. we're able to meet multiple needs. We're able to have more diversity because we understand that we're working together as part of the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. And it's not a competition thing. You're absolutely right about that, mm-hmm. that... We are not the church. We are one of many in the global body of Christ, Mm -hmm. and we do need to keep that in mind. Are there things that you're just wondering about? Connie and I would love to hear from you. Send us an email with your thoughts, and we'd be happy to talk about it on the podcast. We're grateful to Charles Smith for helping us record these episodes and to Hook Sounds for allowing us to download this music titled Save the World.